The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! still please i'm holding you're fidgeting too much okay can i drink from this goblet you have me no you can't i'm gonna need you to take your hand put it back in your pocket okay and i'm gonna go ahead and have to ask you to please put your leg back on that um log okay which causes it to be elevated so that i may i might more accurately portray you james i okay i can do that but I'm going to need a bathroom break very soon. James, I would believe you a lot more, and I would be more inclined to help you had you not showed up to this uh, painting session nude. (laughs) Paul, you know that whenever somebody asks to paint me, I must come fully nude, fully ready. (laughs) James, um, I'm going to go ahead and have to ask you to... uh, to please calm the animals in the painting around you down. Uh, is there anything you can do to Back. do that? Back. Can you? Horrible beast. Can you just do that? Yeah, I tried. I'm gonna have I to tried. Have they're to be they're still just going too. wild. They're going buck wild. I think they're intimidated by me, and I think it's gonna, because I'm naked, Paul. <laughs> show them here. Do the alpha thing. Tell them you can't put baby in a corner. Uh, there's no baby. There's no babies in the corner. I think I the think dingo ate the baby, Paul. <laughs> James, you're going to need to calm these animals down or I can't paint them. Oh, you know what will do the trick? What's that? Rum. Rum will do it. <laughs> this has been an elaborate animal rummy thing. And uh, it also has to do with art and stuff. Uh, I am Paul Kaminsky. I'm the co-host of this Jack White podcast. That's where he was going. I figured it out by letting him tell me. Introduce yourself to the God, people. I'm so tired. I'm James Kaminsky, your other co-host and animal keeper. Yes, and this is our Jack White History Podcast where we talk all things Jack White and, uh, hey, James. Hey. I'm very, very excited about this week because 
Once again, somebody said yes to our interview request. Now, I'm not sure why they keep doing this. I, I, I assume all of the bribery isn't hurting. Why are people like why are third man related people keep saying yes to our interviews? I don't get it. I think it's because I podcast around all of these animals with my leg up on this log, fully nude. <laughs> James, this week we've got another special guest tied to the Third Man Records community. This is none other than Rob Jones, Whoa! who has been doing yes, who's been doing graphic design and artwork for Jack White for, gosh, the better part of a decade, probably more, a little over a decade. And good Lord, we just really lucking out with Jack's uh, artist friends here. We had Bruce Brand on the show who did similar work for him. But Rob Jones, James, I think it's safe to say, is probably the artist that has worked with Jack White the most mm-hmm. throughout his career. That's Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Between show posters and album artwork. He's really got flat files stacked to the heavens, I'm sure, with Jack White artwork. Yes, and Rob was very uh, kind to join us on this show and and actually spoke to us for such a long time. We're actually going to make this a two-parter so that we could deliver it to you as intact as possible. Because Rob talked to us for like a crazy amount of time and we were so happy and thrilled that he decided to do that and we're just uh we're big fans of his work and we can't wait for everybody to hear this this awesome interview with him yeah he was super generous with his time uh and rob if you're listening thank you so much we greatly appreciated it and uh loved talking to you i felt like i could talk to you for hours so thank you again for for being on the show yeah you guys really hit it off you guys were talking about all kinds of like Roman shit and all kinds of. You were doing stuff, and I was just like, I don't know what's happening. You guys are like best friends now. I I'd say no, but I already mailed him the other half of my best friends forever locket. <laughs> but before we get to all of that, James, is there something we have to apologize for, Paul? <laughs> yeah, it's annoying as hell. In fact. <laughs> Sorry. We're sorry. We haven't had to do this one in a while. No. We haven't had to. I think the last time we apologized for something was when we did that all Smash Mouth episode. Admittedly, it was hard to apologize for because, yeah. damn it, I loved it. That's episode 25 of the podcast, if anyone wants to go. I can't believe we're on episode, what is this, 47? Some crazy something shit like that. Something like that. I, I can't believe it's been that long since the Smash Mouth Spectacular. <laughs> but yeah, so, James, would you like to tell the good people what annoying as hell, in fact, is? Yeah, it's when we have to say sorry for doing something that we found funny in the time, or that we got, I don't know. <laughs> it's just when we say sorry. We're sorry. Yeah. I, I was going to, like, retitle this thing instead of Stop Breaking Down, Stop Being Gross. But, uh, yeah, so this one, uh, Callie Durga points out, back in episode 44 of the podcast, our Whorehound tour episode, I made the case that Jack and Allison were flirting very heavily throughout uh, all of the uh, interviews of the band. And while I still stand by when you look at those things... This is a good group of guys to hang out with. Um, They're nice to me sometimes. We play games. We watch science shows, um, like mini golf and shooting machine guns and circuses. That's not a game. Can be a game. Girls always have so many questions, you know. 
about the way guys interact with each other. They want to learn so they can manipulate, so they can figure out how to use it to their advantage. Well, we're not going to give away all our secrets just because we're stuck on a bus together. Sorry. It's not, that's guy code and road code combined. Kelly points out that uh, the interplay between Jack and Allison is really more of a brother-sister dynamic uh, to her. The arguing, the teasing, you know, like more like a couple of siblings who love each other but also love to push each other's buttons. Obviously with a an understanding that they nearly make out during Will There Be Enough Water? But that's kind of the point of that. That's an act they're putting on. So, And also worth pointing out, Jack was married at the time. So, you know, we're not trying to gossip anything like that. So, hey, listen, guys, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to imply that they were more than bandmates at this time. It's just they look like, yeah, they look pretty flirty to me. That's all. They just look like they were being flirty. I don't think that's unreasonable. No. You know? No. It's not unreasonable, eh? Yeah, they look a little flirty. It's, it's fine. They just look a little flirty. It's fine. They might not be. Was, I mean, did somebody say they were? I don't know. I didn't hear anybody say they were. Did I say it? I didn't say it. Did you say I didn't hear you say it. What I'm saying is maybe we were right. Maybe we were wrong. Uh, maybe $20 would help, you know, refresh my memory. <laughs> James, thank you for rehashing that wonderful police squad bit. And that has been annoying as hell, in fact. <laughs> we're sorry. All right, James, you ready to get into this interview here? Let's get right into this interview, Paul. We'd like to welcome our third man for this week, Rob Jones. Rob, we're thrilled to have you on the program. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. How's it going over there? It's hot. It's hot and... (laughs) You can't run the AC too much, otherwise, it's, uh, I'm telling you, I'm just, it's just been grueling ever since I've been back from uh, San Diego, so I'm just trying to do a lot of catch-up. So it's just yeah. been sweating up here eating pizza, drinking coffee. <laughs> That's the, the way to uh, go. The coolest of all beverages. <laughs> we were both out there in Comic-Con, but we're back now, and I'm boiling alive in Los Angeles, and you're over there in Austin. I've never been, I've never been to Texas before, but I assume it's hot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I grew up actually in Waco when I was a kid, so I'm kind of I'm half used to it. But most of the time, I just try to sleep during the day so I can escape it. Yeah, I used to do that when I lived in Philly during the summers. I would sleep during the day and do all my work at night because there was really no reason to be awake during the day and it was just sweltering in the city. Why did you uh, give it up? I needed a full time job in order to sustain huh. me. <laughs> the freelance gigs were not were not quite cutting it. No, I got a I got a full time job, and uh, it, yeah, it's my lunch. But the thing is, staying up late also, I don't have anybody uh, calling or anything at night, so I can get a lot of work done. Except us. For my, no, actually, no. I got remember I work with a lot of Australians and shit, so they will call me right at dinner time. Oh, and shit. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Here, I'm going to move the uh, "Don't Curse" sign right here in front. There we go. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, we all work in the arts, and uh, I think I think it's safe to say we all, you know, at times have had to deal with time zone issues as well. But anyway, so hey, Rob, so we wanted to just take advantage of this opportunity to chat with you a little bit. We've been fans of your work for quite a while. I mean, this is obviously this is a Jack White podcast, so we we've gotten to know your work a lot through Jack White's projects. But aside from all that, we wanted to know a little bit more about how you kind of set down the path of art. What inspired you initially to want to turn your design work and artistry into a career? Um, I was good at it. So uh, <laughs> okay. anything that got applause, I was like, well, maybe more like this. Uh, so I just <laughs> always did art. I was always being talked out of pursuing art, actually, quite often by my parents. Yeah. And uh, I don't blame them. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard scrabble uh, existence if you, do, if you pursue it sometimes. But uh, I got really, lu- I mean, I got really lucky. Yeah, you seem to have made a pretty good living out of it. I mean, I know you work for not only musicians and doing show posters, but you also do a lot of work with Mondo, which is an amazing company, and the work that you direct for them is always great. So you seem to be doing pretty good. Yeah, but again, it's just luck. Yeah, you're hanging in there. It was pure luck, though. I mean, here's, if, if, if it wasn't Jack Quiet, if it was like, I don't know, whoever the hell sings for Good Charlotte, if they were the ones who like, really like my work, I'd, I'd have been... SOL and Mondo I mean again who would have thought that would have uh, blown up as big as it has it's just growing every year like uh, Tetsuo and Akira it's terrible (laughs) I attempted to buy a record last month from Mondo and it sold out within seconds before I even got on my computer I got it Uh, there was the Gremlins one that uh, had the water change color Ah, Yeah. yeah and it sold out in seconds I, that may have even been earlier in the year, but I was very disappointed that I didn't get I got the the actual one instead, the black vinyl. Uh, we were going to go all the way through with uh, food as well. We want, I wanted to have um, some sort of like scent in the, uh, in the wax for like uh, mm-hmm. fried chicken or something <laughs> that the gremlins eat. And uh, <laughs> the production manager, uh, the guy who runs the Mondo side of uh, records, uh, Moshe Feek, is like, dude, it's before I got this ultraviolet effect and this water effect. We've reached the budget max. Come on, just put a clock or something on there. I was like, "Oh, that's a good idea." Okay, yeah, we'll try. That. <laughs> well, you could have had like a scratch and sniff sticker or something. Like, come on, you know, there's ways around it. Uh, I want you, you wanted to be more than just. I, I don't know. There's a band called the Swamp Zombies back in the day. They put out a, a CD called Scratch and Sniff Car Crash, and it had a little scratch and sniff area on the front. And it's like a car crash. They're like burnt rubber and gasoline. It's terrible. From Irvine, California, a bunch of nice guys. They swing through Athens every once in a while. And when they do, you really owe it to yourself to check them out. They're a lot of fun. They're like Tarzan swinging. They are. This this video is called Creeps. Creep. What'd you call them? Paul is a creep. And Becky is a creep. Doug is a creep. And Bob is a super creep. Gary was a creep. And Mike was a creep. That's messed up. Well, it bugged me that that one spot on the CD, uh, on your CD uh, uh, booklet, was like, you know, scratched up from you, you know, showing your friends off this scratch and stuff car crash. So I was like worried about uh, taking an approach like that. You could infuse the liner notes, but uh, we're afraid that would screw up the uh, water effect. And again, Mo was just like, dude, come on, seriously. (laughs) We got two out of three. (laughs) 
We got the big two. Even those two, though, it was one of the most innovative record sleeves that I've ever seen, and it is an amazing concept. Kudos to you guys for thinking of that, because it is perfect. Yeah, but it's also important, uh, obviously, for the artwork of Phantom City Creative, uh, Justin Erickson, because originally where I was like, hey, man, can you make him melt? He's like, let me see. <laughs> no. The way this stuff is working, apparently, I can't do that. How about this instead? And he did the... Uh, Fire graffiti, which I was like, wow, yeah, that'll work. Great. One down. Now make this water effect work. Uh, You're really messing with collector's heads by having them dunk their precious materials into water. Well, not dunk it, but, you know, squeegee it. Well, I'll tell you what, funnily enough, part of that uh, can be contributed to uh, Ben Blackwell. He was the first guy who told me about that into the outdoor uh, effect on the uh, paper sleeves on that. I'd never heard about it. Apparently, if you uh, take a wet cloth and you wipe across the inner sleeves for into the outdoor, it'll change colors. It'll be go from black and white to like this weird watercolor gouache. But it can only be done once. Well, I know what I'm doing with the rest of my night. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I never no know. Ben was like, you never seen this stuff? What are you talking about? I was like, no. What? what? <laughs> well, yeah, so it's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, leave it to Blackwell to know the weird history of all these vinyl gimmicks. Yeah, I think one of his uncles showed him. I can't remember which one, though. Hmm. Huh. Did you go to art school, Rob, or uh, were you self-taught? How did that work? Eh, I went to uh, college for uh, English and classics. <laughs> I had some folks in the classics department going, hey, man, there's a big future here in classics. You might want to stick around, learn Greek. <laughs> but uh, I slowly convinced my parents that maybe I wasn't going to become an uh, English teacher. And uh, after that, I was going to get a, um, what is it, BA? No, what is it called? BFA? Some bi- Whatever the business freaking degree is. MBA, oh. that's it. Uh, oh, right, right, right. I had to think of the office episode when, the, when they're uh, having the hiring episode that, to remember that shit. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I did not go to business school. You know who else didn't go to business school? LeBron James, Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant. They went right from high school to the MBA, so... So it's not the same thing at all. <laughs> I was going to get that. Uh, one of my teachers, I asked to write a letter of recommendation. I found out later, and I was should not have found this out, but my dad had a friend on the admissions board. Uh, found out uh, he wrote a horrible letter of recommendation. Oof. Whoa. Yeah, because he recognized that would have been a bad bad move on my part, I think. I really, I really got to thank that guy, because uh, he uh, basically saved me from going down that path. Wow. And in the meantime, I applied to uh, Savannah College of Art and Design. I did uh, study sequential art, which is a fancy way of saying I paid money to learn comic books better. <laughs> You've got a degree in cartooning from SVA that'll uh, that'll stand right up against the SCAD one. <laughs> well, you know what's what's crappy is I, I I did I did learn a lot actually. Oh yeah, I, I'll give you an example. Yeah, line weights. Uh, I did not know about that. <laughs> Oh yeah, I was I was sure. I was drawing everything like I thought it was Jeff Darrow. I was drawing everything like single line, going, "Yeah, this is how you're supposed to do it, right?" Oh, oh yeah, you're right. I never noticed that. Yeah, I guess lines do get thin and thicker in in the old comic uh, comic pages. But um, you nib guy, you're a brush guy. Oh no no no! I was I was that I'm I've always been that uh, that uh, douchebag that takes the pigma pen and draws the weights uh, and then fills them in. That's fine. Because I just feel like I want more control. A micron man, I like it. Yes. I got a buddy who does that. He says whatever tool works, so I, I'm with you. That's fine. Jeff will kill Patrick if you're out there. You, you do good work. But yeah, I, I have. <laughs> I went through to do a little more of a 
prestigious version of cartooning. So I got a degree in illustration, but then I wound up doing my thesis on comic books anyway. So <laughs> wait, what was your uh, thesis uh, title? What was like the uh, what was the subject? It was an eight page comic book that I unfortunately wrote and drew and colored and all that. Uh, it was a book called Nuts in which some dopey scientists made super powerful pigeons. And then in order to combat the super powerful pigeons who were now taking over the world, he had to make super powerful squirrels. Not my best work, but... <laughs> Jesus! It was very good, James. I've You're too better. hard on yourself. I, I wrote a terrible paper on uh, Arkham Asylum as the modern passion play. Oh my god, that's amazing. Whoa! And I had to deliver a si- slideshow for it, because it was like the final thing of... Uh, into the end of the year thing for the class you had to give this big talk i had to go make like old school slides too it was awful oh man wow yeah it was a bunch of blank f-ing faces it was terrible <laughs> <laughs> jesus Oy. i did my thesis on uh, on the on the beatles because that's that's what i felt like that i could draw at the time they say write what you know and that's kind of what i knew so that's what i did was it just some funny stories about the beatles was it a specific incident in the beatles life what was it it was about crushing fame and its effect on them and its effect on fans who were looking at their own lives through the lens of the songs. So it was about, the thesis was like, the theme was the man-made monster. So it was about that. And uh, the biggest compliment I ever had on it was I had a teacher tell me that I drew like all the mistakes he made when he was my age. And I found that to be very... (laughs) (laughs) I was very happy to hear that because I admired him greatly. You're on the right track. You're making my same mistake. (laughs) (laughs) You fucked up like I did. It's fine. Um. Dude, I remember one of my dad's teachers I quote a lot. His his first first time I ever heard this expression was from my dad's teacher. It was, uh, the only mistake I ever made was thinking that I had made a mistake. And that's about how my dad lived his life. Or li- lives his life, sorry. It's a bold statement. Put him in the past tense. Yeah, yeah there's some comfort in that. I don't know. My dad's pretty flawless, so <laughs> he's kept it up. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> so what kinds of artistic influences did you have uh, while you were at school and uh, beyond that? Because obviously we can we could see where your work has gone to, but where did you pull inspiration from for this kind of stuff? For gig posters? Uh, yeah. Uh, for that, when I was a kid, my favorite artists were... Anybody in Mad Magazine, pretty much. Uh, Sergio Aragones, and uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. I've never heard it pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> I've met the guy. And like, here's Sergio. I'm like, ah. Just. Uh, more Trucker, uh, Jack Davis. Paul, even Paul Coker Jr., I liked him a lot. I wasn't a big fan of Al Jaffe's artwork, but I liked his uh, his ideas. You liked his enthusiasm. I don't know. He, dude, he had this one idea. I remember he'd have, like, uh, he'd do, like, dumb inventions, like, Useless inventions. Uh, he would just write out crazy shit, but some of it actually came true or actually sounded good. I remember he had a lot for like uh, different kinds of razor blades. He had one that was like a cradle of, of blades that you would just have two little sticks go back and forth in your face. When I was a kid, that fascinated me. I wanted to really shave like that at least once. But uh, what was I mentioning about? Oh, uh, when I got older, though, uh, Frank Kozik, I think, was uh, obviously the biggest influence on me. I did not really give two figs about. Uh, gig posters much i mean i you know punk flyers and old psych posters would just seem kind of boring to me at that point and then i saw frank's work and i was like wow this is awesome i wanted it so <laughs> yeah. bad i mean I, you go into a record store every once in a while you'd see there'd be every once in a while there'd, at the back in the day there'd be a store that had just a crap load of uh, kozik and uh, Lindsay coon and uh, coop uh, posters all over the walls and ceilings and shit 
and it was pretty amazing. It just really took my breath away. Yeah. It really felt like the artwork I wanted to make. So when I first started, uh, that's exactly what I did. I was just trying very hard to ape uh, like Frank and Coop and all those folks. And then the next big influence, I think, that was that had the, the biggest effect on my artwork in relation to White Stripes and uh, Jack-related properties was uh, Jermaine Rogers. Mm-hmm. He was uh, another poster artist, came out a little bit after Frank. And he really went personal with a lot of his uh, ideas and how they related, how he personally related to uh, the music or the uh, the album on tour at the time or even just the musician himself and how it related to him. And sometimes it'd just be really weird stuff that wasn't readily gettable. And he, I talked to him quite a, quite a few times for, uh, while I was getting started. And he's like, yeah, as long you got to entertain yourself. And if you entertain yourself, then you might have a good chance of entertaining other people. Yeah. Uh, or getting people to be curious about what this means and what that means. You don't have to really worry about being that clear with your, your communication. If you present it in an interesting enough way, they'll dig deeper. And if not, it'll probably look better in the end just because you have that extra personal investment into it. Right. And it uh, really uh, struck me. People can really tell when you're having a good time with the piece that you're doing, for sure. Oh, yeah, all those raconteurs, uh, collage posters. That's me really having too good a time. <laughs> All those little weird uh, engravings I used to do for that. record stores we're talking a little bit about music and your influences for concert posters and stuff what bands were you listening to growing up we, we know through jack talking about it that you love the damned but uh so you know aside from them is what other kinds of music were you listening to when i was a kid uh the police were my favorite group of all time i had so many police buttons and badges nice I'd, nice i'd like i'd train throwing a darts at balloons from a distance so when the carnival came to town I could win these like police uh, carnival mirrors because I was just so de- <laughs> couldn't find them anyplace else um, dude I got a sweet one from uh, one time it was uh, Regatta de Blanc all done in um, like uh, metallic silver nice. uh, flake oh it's sweet yeah but yeah I got that from balloon training yeah I wanted that stuff man I'm a Zendata Mundata fan myself so really <laughs> yeah that one's got Canary in the Coal Mine right Wow, you're the first you're the first one I've met. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Canary Nicole Mines was one of my favorite.
don't know. That was that always seemed like the weird one to me, man. Like that was weird. It's like seemingly up, and then you get Ghost Machine, which is just them doing an Ian Curtis impression. I mean, it's just the saddest, most depressing freaking police album. Yeah, and then it turns into Sting doing Sting. What? What? What do you mean? It turned into Synchronicity, one of the greatest albums of all time. <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough, fair enough. It's a great album. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you can, yeah, no, Sting fell off the the cool wagon with his first solo with uh, Dream of the Blue Turtle, but. Uh, ugh. <laughs> Synchronicity. I'm sorry. That's that's pretty. That's a pretty perfect album. I love it. All. I love Mother. I love uh, Miss Grudenko. Oh, I love that song. I'll even give it up for Walking in Your Footsteps. Although that's a terrible song, if we're being honest. Okay. I don't. I don't think I've ever heard it, but I've. I've definitely heard Synchronicity. Oh, Walking in Your Footsteps is terrible because uh, no, in, in live, Stewart had to walk over to a new drum kit that had like wind chimes and cymbal and like little teeny rotating CD disc looking cymbals and shit. So he could, it was, he had all these like weird effects he wanted to play, I guess, to emulate the uh, prehistoric past or something. But, uh, ugh, I don't know. It's just too overproduced. Mm. But, but yeah, I like the police. Uh, I got older. I, I got really into the damned. I saw them on the young ones uh, when it was playing on MTV and I was like, wow, those guys uh, look cool and that sounds like an awesome song. Understanding. I'm not a vampire. I'm a driving instructor <laughs> from Johannesburg. And uh, later on, I went to a, on a trip to Canada with my parents. I saw a poster for the Damned in like one of the poster, uh, what do you call it? Slot. Like they let me go to record stores when we'd go on vacation. And I was like, "Hey, those are the guys from the Young Ones." Oh, oh, I remember them. So when I got back home, I bought a uh, my first Damned tape, which was uh, Light at the End of the Tunnel. That was MCA's attempt to try to spread the gospel of the Damned here on American shores. Uh, it did not take, but uh, the the collection was spot on and it really just got me energized i was like this is exactly what i want to listen to this is awesome i can't believe this has eluded me my entire my entire life and i turned to my buddy dave gassion who was uh, listening to it for the first time with me as well right right after the first song ignite and it, he was like uh, yeah it's, it's all right i was like <laughs> that's the worst f you dave <laughs> Jack talk a little bit about the damned when he was 
explaining the meaning of machine gun silhouette, which I'd like to get to in a moment, I went out and bought machine gun etiquette because I'd never heard them before. And uh, listening to that album was certainly a revelation to me. I, th- I think Antipope was kind of my favorite off that, but uh, there's it's it's pretty awesome. High energy, you know, real raw stuff. It's all over the place. Isn't it amazing? I mean, it's just all the styles. Dude, that was like a, just a standard punk band, like really dumbly aggressive. And then their uh, leader leaves, and they make that machine gun. Oh god, it's such a good album. Ugh. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was interesting to listen to. He would actually record commercials off the television with his uh, tape recorder at home. His uh, captain was still living with his parents, and he'd uh, record the commercial, okay. then uh, play it backwards on the reel reel, and uh, get melodies uh, for songs from that from uh, playing commercial jingles uh, backwards. Because they were like really poppy. Uh, com- I mean, think about it. You take a really poppy commercial, play it backwards, you got a new song. <laughs> it sounds kind of dirgy. There you go. Yeah, all you need to do is take some Randy <laughs> Newman, flip it around, bada bing, bada boom, you got yourself a single. Yeah. <laughs> Not enough for all of them, but, that, but some of them, yeah. That's, I don't know. That guy's, that, that guy's like probably my favorite. Uh, I don't know, my favorite all around. Uh, it's a tie between him and like Lux Interior, but uh, God, Captain Sensible's like been a big hero of mine for a long time. That guy's bees knees. Hmm. I have to tell you what. In fact, I'll tell you this right now. Favorite album of all time yeah, is Kevin Sensible's uh, solo album, University of Jeffrey Brown. It's so effing good. I can't have it in the car anymore because if I was listening to it on CD, I'd like miss ex- exits or wherever in the hell I'm going. I'd be so into this, the, the album that I would just <laughs> go, like, oh, oh, man, I was five miles back. Shit. I'd have to turn back around. Yeah, so I had to take it out of the car. But give it a listen. It's really good. I'd like to get into the Jack stuff a little bit, but I, I wanted to mention, I read in an interview that you're a fan of Jay Shaw's work. Is that, is that true? Did I get that right? Yes. Uh, he is a co-worker of mine here at uh, Mondo. Nice. I used to work with Jay a little bit. What? I just saw, I saw his name jump out in this interview. I was reading, I was like, oh, Jay Shaw, that's awesome. Uh, but it's cool because the thing that spoke to me about Jay's work uh, is kind of the same thing that speaks to me about your work, which is just this, you play with sparseness in a way of contrasting areas of high detail, and it produces this incredible emotional response. There's a great poster he did for, I want to say, Night of the Living Dead that reminds me a little bit of your stuff. But it, I mention that only to say that um, when I'm looking at your work, I'm getting a palpable emotional response from it in a really cool way. Is that something that you purposefully are looking to evoke, or are you setting out with a mission statement that isn't really centered on emotion? Sometimes, yeah. Uh, not all the time. A lot of Dead Weather work, I think, was trying to actually show show images I associate with being emotionless, but being cold. 
because mm. I saw I felt mm. that uh, a lot in the characters that were singing on those uh, songs. Uh, but um, for White Stripes, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got a polar bear and a penguin, like you know, looking at each other. That's that's obviously him. Take another heartstrings, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> oh man! But I do. I, I mean, I I, res- I respond really well to that kind of. Stuff. I mean, dude, I wait. What what ca- which uh, which camera is like on me? Can you see right behind me, or are you seeing from my side? I don't see any. I actually can't see your uh, can't see your video. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I see what appears to be some sort of a, uh, a a rodent's leg or possibly a broken horse penis. Wow, that's my my love of my life, my dog uh, Gracie, and you called her a rodent, <laughs> horrible human being. Okay, you mean mean man. Anyway, uh, if you can see I behind me, see, I, got, uh, I couldn't see what. <laughs> oh no! Uh, oh, dude, she uh, she had horrible bladder stones. Like, oh no! If her bladder was a freaking pocketbook, it would look like. Uh, like after you get it back from a trip to England, just be full of pence instead instead of pence. <laughs> their oh, bladder no. stones. Oh man! To quote the doctor, oh, the most I've ever seen. That's how many there were in there. Oh. Not a number. Just wow, a lot. <laughs> you impressed the doctor. You, so they. Uh, he was so worried that he was impressed. <laughs> well, they they got they uh, had to remove some surgically, and my wife saved those. We're going to get them set in a ring eventually because they look actually really cool. They're a Got like it's like a it's like a large stone <laughs> surrounded by smaller stones. It's like it's got its own like garnets going around it. Uh, and then they were the rest. They just blasted out with some sonic equipment. So my poor dog had to urinate sand for like a Ugh. week. Ugh. But yeah, uh, that is the that is the image my wife chose for my uh, sky panel. <laughs> so yeah, not rodents. If you could see behind me, I got a I got a big Al Hirschfeld drawing of uh, Judy Garland. So I'm totally into the more oh that's awesome poppy things in life. It's it's now in my mind picture of what's going on. So first of all, very interesting talking to this man, especially in this opening here. I guess I wasn't really sure what to expect from this interview, but we wound up talking a lot about art, which is really cool. And hearing Rob's art background was very, very interesting. Yeah, he shares a lot of uh, similar artistic inspiration to me and and i believe you as well and it's uh it's interesting especially what kind of music he's been listening to uh i did i wouldn't have ever expected him to be a huge police fan but uh that's awesome yeah is. yeah i'm so happy I don't, I don't remember who mentioned miss was it you that mentioned miss gardenko no i think it was him i mentioned zedata mudata yeah so canary nicole might like i love all those songs so much and so that was that was particularly surprising um mm. given that his artwork tends and, to have such a uh, a hardcore bite to it, you know? Yeah. And the Damned are obviously very hardcore. And I took a deep dive into the Damned the other day uh, after doing this interview, and they're pretty awesome. It's, it's just a cool punk band, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was it was really cool to get that extra little bit of background in there for Rob, and, you know, it was... Uh, it helped me understand, I think, his art a little bit more to understand him and where he came from. And so that was one of the one of the more interesting parts of the interview for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. But we've got a lot more interview to get to, James. Shall we get back to it? Let's get back into it. So uh, let's uh, I, I wanted to transition a little bit into uh, into finding out how you wound up getting connected with Jack White, I know we, we spoke a little bit before the call, uh, and you mentioned you haven't actually met him in person. But um, what was nope. the how, what was the first sort of salvo? Who reached out to who? How did you guys get connected? Uh, I read a, 
an article about the lawsuit between the uh, Citizen Kane uh, copyright owners and the White Stripes when they were wrestling over uh, Union Forever mm-hmm. about the lyrics uh, within right. their draw from the uh, song, uh, some of the dialogue and songs from uh, Citizen Kane. exactly what to do for that and i looked online found out where the they were touring and they uh they were, had a show in Lyon, france so i had my buddy who spoke uh, french uh call up uh the venue and said hey i want to make a poster i'll send you some copies does that sound okay and they're like yeah sure and like okay great i'm america it'll be coming in about a month like wow, you got really, you speak really great uh, French for an American. And my buddy, as me, said, "Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, great." He, he was French, <laughs> so uh, we I did it, uh, sent it off, and then the day of the show, I got a call from the tour manager. I had put some uh, cards in the um, in the box, and uh, he called me to, to uh, basically chew me out and say, "What the hell? What gives you the right?" Blah 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 blah. I was uh, crapping my pants, and at the very end, he was like. But we all love the poster. We'd like to talk about maybe making it into a tour poster for the uh, North American tour. And I was wow. like, wow, great. And then... Uh, That's awesome. When I was having Stacy, uh, their lawyer, was like, I just got this stuff settled, and now you're going to do something? No, you can't do this poster. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then I was like, well, I got some other ideas. Let me just pitch you. So I, I pitched a whole bunch of... Like, within a weekend, I made, like, six or seven posters. Oh, man. I had pitched to them. Wow. And then uh, Jack broke his finger, unfortunately. But uh, that was actually fortunate for me because I was like, great. Uh, let me throw those away. Those were really rushed. So here's uh, five more ideas. And I gave them five more ideas that were better. And I uh, got to do a few posters. Those did well. And then they hired me for the rest of the tour. Wow. Wow. That's basically how it went down. We also talked to the artist, uh, Bruce Brand, who did some um, artwork for Jack during that time period as well. And he mentions the Jack breaking his finger experience as being one of one of the inspirations for one of his pieces as well. So that's kind of funny that you both were you both were you both used that opportunity for different reasons. You know, that's cool. Oh, yeah. In fact, I was trying to find those posters the other day. I couldn't uh, find the files. I remember one was like I had some weird picture of a Tucker car. It just looked like a sad dying whale to me for some reason. <laughs> I was, but uh, I mean yeah. that could be another poster. I'm sure it went well. A sad dying whale. If it's a killer whale, it'd be it would fit in with the right color motif and bada bing. There was actually there was actually a dead weather single. I was trying to work up one time. There was a photograph I found of a whale being flensed. So they take the big knife on a stick and just uh, strip it out. 
but it was so close to the whale you could see all this like the, all the beautiful like weird ribbing kind of uh, indentations in the, on its bottom they're in white before it goes to black uh-huh. or blue or whatever and uh, the guy was actually cutting right along that line so for a while it just kind of looks like some weird Peter Seville um, Joy Division uh, cover and then when it went to the back you'd actually see the the knife cutting in and seeing all the in, in the interior uh, blubber and Oof. But I uh, did not submit that because I could not get it to work properly. <laughs> and it wasn't satisfied with the uh, sharpness of the picture. Wow. Yeah, nine whales died in your attempts. It's, it was tragic. It was, <laughs> it was actually really an oddly beautiful uh, photo that just becomes sadly tragic as, you, as your eye goes uh, to the right. Huh. It's funny you mentioned knives in the dead weather. I was just watching an interview where Jack describes them having to not uh they couldn't actually use the cut like a buffalo video where jack is sort of and the models are playing with knives over in europe they wouldn't they wouldn't put it out because they felt it was too graphic with people waving knives in their faces so they had to turn it black and white and for some reason that made it okay but uh it's it's weird that you uh you keyed in on the knife thing too with the dead weather i suppose they're pretty they have that aesthetic you know that sort of horror kind of aesthetic yeah i try to make it all for posters for that, I, I took a try. I tried to take a like a psychedelic approach, mm-hmm. but in a really bad, mm-hmm. bad, bad trip way. <laughs> I've never uh, I've never done acid, but I, I went to a bar one time with my buddy Robbie, and uh, he had a he had some bad some bad stuff, and uh, he had these red glasses on, like these little John Lennon looking glasses mm-hmm. with red lenses, mm-hmm. and I was like, Robbie, you okay? He's like, Man, I'm in hell. And everybody's a demon. And I was like, "Yeah, you're wearing red glasses, dude. You got just take these." He's like, "Dude, dude, dude, dude. The glasses are keeping the demons from going into my eyes. Just, <laughs> I'm fine. It's just I better if I just not talking. I'm going. I can, I can see myself through this. Just don't worry about me. Uh, if you can, give me a water. I was like, "All right, man." So I got him a water, and then I just walked over to the booth where everyone else was sitting. <laughs> I look over at Robbie every once in a while. He's just sitting there flinching, every, just looking around. He's freaking uh, this horrible man-made hell. <laughs> but uh, that was wow. the thing. I, I wanted the other side of drugs. I wanted the other side of this thing is going badly, bad vibrations. Yeah. Uh, same psychedelic approach. Like if you look at a lot of the text on Dead Weather posters, it's hard to read mm-hmm. or it's just really badly placed. Yeah. I did one where I did it all in code from like a, the Edgar Allan Poe story, The Gold Bug. Huh. So it's just, yeah, not, not, not trying to advertise the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this next song is a dance. It's a damn good one. The name of it is, It Cuts Like a Buffalo. And you know what that means. That means you're dead. Praise God. Thank you, God. We had recently talked about uh, what had happened to the lead singer of the West Coast Pop Experiment Band. Wait, is that... The West Coast Pop Art Experimental. Yeah, who uh, apparently... that's what it is. uh, ...got so so high on a bad trip and went out in the middle of a lake, couldn't paddle back because he had had such a bad trip that he 
was out there for two days without water, and uh, it kind of led to his inevitable death. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean led to? What happened? What, what caused his death? So they found him, and he was so badly dehydrated that he had irreparable brain damage, and he was on life support, I think, for years after that before he finally died in a hospital. But yeah, he was, in a, he was on a bad trip in a boat, and he just topped himself couldn't get back to shore and yeah it was it's kind of a crazy end to that life but we it it ties into jack because the only reason we know about this west coast pop art experimental band is because the dead weather covered a child of a few hours is burning to death and so we we started reading about this guy and it's far out it's uh it's worth a google hmm i'll check that out that leads me into uh, my next question which is obviously we just we're talking about your approach to dead weather posters but how does that differ to your approach for uh, Jack White's solo work and White Stripes and Raconteurs, do you do you go into each of those with a particular mindset? Obviously, Jack has sort of a built-in palette that he kind of uses as a template for each of his groups, but um, how do you personally go into the other groups uh, in, in terms of style and approach? I just try to... I do try very hard, at least for my own personal work, for Jack's uh, projects, to try to make sure it, it doesn't look like the other stuff I've done before. Mm. So there's like a kind of a general aesthetic. Sometimes it's not, it's kind of weak. For example, uh, for, for Jack, I'm like, okay, I'll have like maybe some engraving stuff here, but also some photographic elements here. <laughs> there you go. I didn't do that for raconteurs. So uh, that, that keeps it, that keeps it distinct. Uh, and also to be honest with you, the color palette uh, restrictions are like a godsend because I, it, it takes care. I mean, right off the bat, it takes care of a huge element of, concepting and thought you don't have to worry you're like it's gonna to have to be blue there you go so you have to you have to know you have to think about what would look good with that color even with the white right. stripes it uh you know you had used a a lot of animal imagery like you were saying before a polar bear and a penguin and and they kind of immediately fit in not only with the great white northern light stuff that they were doing at the time but you know in the color palette it limits concept you know you could choose from a plethora of animals who have this correct color palette and it would still fit in with the band's aesthetic that was incorrect it was during a get behind me satan era oh. 2005 right, right 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 i presaged under gray white northern lights with that <laughs> <laughs> if if they had polar bears up or they had penguins up right north. but uh, yeah that was actually the reason why uh we used penguins for um under gray white northern lights because i knew since there were no penguins naturally up uh, that mm. way there's no way I could like uh, maybe make any sort of uh, first tribes folks uh, angry by doing artwork in that style of uh, of an animal. I mean, it's an animal that, that mm. ain't gonna be there, so it's nobody's spirit animal or anything. I mean, yeah, you could have done some kind of freakish monochrome puffin, I suppose. But <laughs> well, no, was, the idea was that it was just so strange that they were uh, that this group this at the height of their uh, fame were taking this extensive Canadian tour. All, to every province and territory, all the way to freaking none of it, man. I mean, geez. I mean, you've seen the movie. It's, that's crazy. So it's got to be like seeing a penguin up in the North Pole. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that project is so iconic for the demise of them as a group. It's sort of their let it be in a way you could, the way it ends, it's just so sad. <laughs> You can bleed some things dry, you know. 
It used to be before I'd ever been on stage, there was the excitement of what would it be like to play on stage. God, if I could just play on stage, it would, or if I could just record, you know, that would be another thing. If I could actually just record a record, what would that be like if I had that? I don't have those inspirations like that anymore. Ten years later, with just working in the same box, you think, God, I'm, you know, I, one part of my brain says I'm tired of trying to come up with things in this box, you know, but I, but I force myself to do it because I know something good can come out of it. If I, if I really work inside of it. Inspiration and, you know, work ethic, they, they, they ride right next to each other. The, your artwork, which, by the way, you won a Grammy for, uh, so I'd like to ask about that in a moment, but the artwork for that, you really nail this two-against-the-world kind of isolation that it seems to be kind of pervasive around that project do, do you have any memories of uh, of your approach to to doing that particular project and why do you think it that one in particular resonated to the point that it did um yeah first i was, I was still thinking about let it be man i can't watch that ah, it's awful <laughs> it's hard the the yeah. best it's it's odd because it's 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 yeah that's the thing you can watch it a great one of the lights that's a great movie i love watching that all the time but uh let it be there's the that multi-part Beatles documentary they have a part of that where it's uh Paul and uh, George arguing and George is very passionate about whatever the hell Paul is doing and Paul's just doing that weird passive aggressive crappy thing Paul always freaking does when <laughs> the cameras are on him which is so annoying god yeah now so see if we can get it simpler and then complicated where it needs complications but it's complicated it's in the bit. No, even no, I mean, you know, I mean, now I'm playing. I'm trying to help you, but I always hear myself. I'm annoying you. Right, should we try it like this? It's probably that high talking about George I'm just trying trying to make everyone just get along no you're not Paul you, God I know I look like an asshole right now but God you're the jerk well then they cut to current times and it's just George uh, Paul and Ringo around the table and Paul's trying that same crap on George and you see George smile and he's playing the guitar because he's totally ignoring Paul he's basically saying oh God it's so different nowadays I don't have to listen to sh- anything you're saying man <laughs> You've got no hold over me at all. I am so free and clear of you and all your just crap. And you see Paul's face recognizing, I can't believe this isn't working. It's, ah, it's, oh. it's like he realizes I've got no hold over him anymore. Oh, hey, George, we'll let you have two this time on a record. How about that? Oh, I don't know why I made, I don't know why I made Paul Irish all of a sudden. But. It's fine. What do you think about Ringo? Isn't he? He's been a jerk. Didn't George leave the group for a couple days at that exact moment yeah yeah Yeah, after that argument he left and uh and the beatles are on tape actually joking about bringing clapton in a very weird and coldly it's a it's a weird time in that group's life but you you talk about watching a group self-destruct that's the beatles would have had no problem doing that for reals okay it ain't like some rem thing like well hey man uh bill barry has gone so we could we could never replace him so this guy is going to be like our fill-in you know what he's okay screw it he's part of rem okay we're 
he's, he's played longer now than Bill Barry, than Bill Barry has. <laughs> but uh, Beatles have no, I guarantee they've yeah. had no problem doing that. But uh, yeah, no, I thought the whole sh- uh, shtick was that they just kind of got together and said, let's don't end on this. Oh, God. Let's get yeah. together and do one more like we used to. And then, thank God, we, they did that and we got Abbey Road. We got one of the right. most, another one of the most perfect albums ever, ever created. God, I love Abbey Road. Agreed. And you could tell that, again, yeah. going back to what you were saying, they had fun with that album. And you could tell because they, they didn't care as much, which is good. They were just doing it for them. Wow. I was realizing you got something on there, which is about Eric Clapton's wife. Huh. Yes. Well, uh, no, no. Well, I'm sorry. About George Harrison's wife. That became Eric Clapton's wife. At the time, Layla. At the time they were together, I, I met Patty Boyd, and uh, let me tell you, she's still got it. <laughs> wow, really? She's wonderful. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, dude, no, I got a crush on Barbara Streisand, so trust me. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I wouldn't have to do Barbara Streisand <laughs> young. I could do Barbara Streisand now and just be like, you're never going to believe who I, who I was with last night. Oh, no, it was cool. Jenny said if this, ever, if this opportunity ever came up, take it, just for the story. <laughs> so under Great White Northern Lights. Uh... <laughs> Paul, that was a hell of a start of an interview. Yes, and there's plenty more where that came from. So if all you enjoyed this first half of the interview, please come back next week. We're going to be doing part two in one week, the Rob Jones exclusive interview Yes, with the Third Men podcast. Very, very excited about that. And uh, in the meantime, James, oh, we've got some shout-outs to give. So many shout-outs, Paul. You want to you wanna take the new ones this week? Oh, I'll take the new ones this week. We've got people who are ah, tweeting ah, and Facebooking ah, at ah, us. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um, we got tweet, pe- new people tweeting and Facebooking at us. We got Belinda Acuna. Ki- <laughs> Belinda Acuna. Quirino Viscaino. Viscaino. I think I got that right. Matthew. Ha- Matthew Halse. Uh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you, Matthew. We got RJ, RJ Babadia, which I'm sure is not Robert Jones, Rob Jones in disguise. Uh, we have Landy v- <laughs> Velaspin. Velaspin. We got Landy Velaspin. <laughs> we got Bernardo Casarin. We got Amy Richardson. There you go. We got Francisco Antonio <laughs> Timble. Nope, try again. It's Francisco. I think this guy just misspelled his name. There's no O. He misspelled his own name, Paul. Francisc Antonio Timble Tucson. And Rachel, uh, we also got Rachel Swenson or at Rachel Swens on Twitter. We got Augustin D or at Augustin D Suarez on Twitter. And we also have Nguyen or at Matt for Christian on Twitter. There is a, some our regular listeners of the show. We got Jeremy Royals. We got Moyamu. <laughs> yeah. We've got K. McCoy, the Bones of the Apparition. We've got Jeremy Riles keeping us on the rails. We've got Mayo Me. It's Mio oh My. We've got Andre Ice Cold Lineman. We have Eileen. We see you over there. Corsano. We've got Kelly Durga. We love you, Kelly. We've got Adrian King, the Punk Rock Queen. We've got the Red Red Rain Prosper. We've got Amy Hart, the heart of the operation we've got lol 2.0 you're very funny we've got eric andrew dodson over here we've got david poe we've got sa franco we don't know what that means yeah and um 
If you'd like to be one of those people that we mentioned on this podcast, you can go to at ThirdMenCast on Twitter and tweet at us using the hashtag ThirdMenCast. You can tumble down with us, Paul. You can tumble on down at ThirdMenPodcast.tumblr.com. You could visit us on our WordPress site where we partially host the show and we put all our show notes on there. That's the ThirdMen.wordpress.com, don't you know? We also have our Gmail, ThirdMenPodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to get in touch with us. Uh, also, you could find us on Spreaker, which is uh, iHeartRadio's uh, podcast application, which uh, is S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, and you can search The Third Men Podcast on there. You could also search us on YouTube, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It helps boost those numbers up, and we'd love to have some more reviews, because we love hearing from you. Yes, and we read all of them, and they're wonderful. And if you'd like to send us a listener question, please do that. We're going to... We'll, have, we'll do another one of those pretty soon. And then we'd like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom mm. Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song, We're the Third Men. Also, thank you to Susanna Roundtree for the intro and outros of our program. Yeah, and I think that'll do it, Paul. I think that's going to do it. I don't know how we did it, but we did it. And until next week, James, I'm going to be looking for Rob Jones to find him a home. <laughs> uh I'll be looking for all those animals uh, to give all of them a home, but uh, they're they're giving me a, a run for my rummy. Um, good night. Ugh. It was bad. That was bad. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search the third men on Facebook. See you next time. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, please. I insist. So did you... Um, so did you... Um, no, what, Paul? Oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead, James. Go ahead, James. All right, uh, so... No, I was just going to ask if you... What, what, <laughs> yes, James, go ahead. Sorry, the Skype lag is killing us right now. Go ahead, James. All you... <laughs> These. Who are you, James? <laughs> okay. This has been an elaborate ruse, Paul. I'm tired. Okay. I just want to make sure I was recording correctly. All right. What's up? So, I am pressing record as well. James, you got it? Yeah, I'm good. Let me know if I'm banging or anything on the f***ing table. Just go, what? Just something <laughs> like that, and I'll f***ing see you. <laughs> okay, it sounds good. As possible. Uh, because.
One second, sorry. Yeah, almost done. Test. 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 Yeah, it's coming through the headphones. Testing. Okay, cool. I just wanted to double check. Awesome.